This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Do you want to listen ad-free? You can do that now by joining our Patreon or hitting that subscription button on Apple Podcast. Spotify listeners, we've got you too. All you got to do is in your Spotify app, search The Murder Diaries ad-free. Welcome back to another episode of The Murder Diaries. I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We do briefly discuss in this episode the topic of eating disorders as well as mental health in this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing gets incredibly deep on those, but those can be big triggers. And we want all of our listeners to stay safe and enjoy the episodes that they are able to enjoy. So there's the trigger warning. So Natalie, this story isn't necessarily unknown. Mm -hmm. Personally, I've been following it since 2019, and there have been some major updates over this last year. This is the murder of Bianca Devins. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Bianca Michelle Devins was born October 2nd, 2001. She grew up in Utica, New York. In 2019, she had actually just graduated from Proctor High School in the area, and she was about to start community college in the fall to study psychology. It was a dream of hers to study psychology. She struggled with mental illness herself, and she hoped that someday she could help adolescents who struggle with mental illness. It's been reported that Bianca was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder or BPD. She also suffered from some sensory issues. She ran away in the past when she was about 15. She ran away to New York. Um, We don't know much about the full story there, but I'm just wanting to provide some background and context to Bianca's short life. Right. It should also be noted that Bianca was admitted to a mental health clinic in October 2018, and she stayed there until February of 2019. So she was actively working on mental illness there around the time of her death that we're going to be discussing and working on herself and just looking forward to things that were in the future as well, even though she had these hard things to, or should we call them a hurdle in her life to traverse. It's been said that Bianca related more to people through online relationships than out in the real world. So basically, online, when she's speaking with online friends in like chat rooms or Discord servers, things like that, she was much more comfortable and enjoyed that way of human interaction as opposed to when she was at school where she might feel a little bit more awkward or shy or whatever feelings she may have been feeling at the time. And that's pretty common for teenagers and just people in general these days. That's why Reddit and other online forums are so popular because people really can feel like they can be themselves without having to be worried about saying the wrong thing or, you know, dressing the wrong way or acting 
an, an uncool way or something. Yeah, just being judged in general. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And according to her mom, she felt that her online persona was better than who she really was, which was presented in a resource as a positive, like, oh, look what online relationships and forums did for her. But to me, that's so sad. No teenager should be, yeah, no teenager should be feeling like that. Your main psychological crises, according to Developmental Theory by Erickson, at this time in your life when you are a teenager is identity versus isolation. So you're basically trying to figure out who you are. And what she's figuring out is that she's better online this makes no sense. Or we could see it a positive in that she found her identity and that identity was heavily involved in the online world. So, you know, I can see both sides there. There's a real, not to go off on a, a too big of a tangent, but there's this big movement right now and I keep seeing it pop up on TikTok and Instagram about how online isn't real and they're really pushing. And when I say they, I mean like, influencers nowadays are pushing for people not to even use filters. Like just Mm -hmm. be yourself. Don't be afraid to show your wrinkles, your pores or whatever. And I admire that. Although I have to admit that I definitely use a filter now and again. But yeah, I think the movement is important in that we don't necessarily have to look at it so black and white as like, oh, you can use no filters or you're the type of person that is fake and on the wrong side of history using only filters. They should just be used for fun and not for self-worth, which is really important to think about. And as with anything, it's all about balance. 100%. You know, on our Instagram, I use filters all the time just for fun and expecting that you would use them. But yeah, I saw a TikTok the other day that said, if you're still using Snap, chat filters. Why? Like, stop. No one wants to see you with a bunch of hearts around your head. It's like, well, sometimes it's just kind of fun and it brightens up your day and you're trying to brighten up anyone's day who's going to see it. Like, totally. It's fine. So with everything, moderation, right? Mm -hmm. So while we're talking about this online world and we're kind of talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, something that it did for Bianca that her mom noticed was that it gave her confidence that really did allow her to flourish and make connections. So overall, it ended up being a more positive on the daily for her. She actually became a bit of an influencer of sorts. And I use this word really lightly Mm -hmm. because I want to provide context, but it's not necessarily what we think of when we think of influencers with like a million, 500K followers, like... Nothing like that. Today, her Instagram has 160K followers, which is unfortunately a lot of people just interested after they found out about her murder. Right. Lucky lose. Lucky lose. And just maybe they feel a sense of, wow, this story really hit me and I want to support this person that I never really knew before. Mm -hmm. I get it. One of my resources mentioned that at the time of her death, she may have had closer to four or 5,000 followers, which that's pretty big for just an individual person that's not a brand or a celebrity. So, you know, that's a little bit more of like a micro-influencer status, definitely. And as I mentioned, of course, people gained more interest after, which is why we see such an uptick in her following now. So we talked about Instagram. Was she just active there or did she have her personality or persona elsewhere online? That's actually a really good question in Bianca's case because she also had a following and activity on 4chan and Discord. Okay. 
So those of you that don't know what 4chan is, I'm going to get the like, you flipping boomer comments here. But listen, (laughs) I'm not a boomer, but I didn't really understand 4chan until recently as well, actually. So 4chan is a little bit like Reddit. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more of an open forum. I don't know a ton about it. It does have some community guidelines, though. You're afforded a lot more freedom. Most people are anonymous. You don't know who you're talking to. It could be anyone. Right. So there's a little bit more anonymity and freedom. But of course, there are still those community guidelines. Nothing illegal can take place in the forum, etc. And interestingly enough, 4chan came from a Japanese creator who had created a website called 2chan. And his idea was to really make it so that those in Japan could use a U.S. server Mm -hmm. to have more freedom of speech. Fun tangent, in Japan, when you would plug in a gaming console or something like that to your TV, you used to have to turn it to channel 2. I remember in the U.S. turning it to channel three. So I totally remember that kind of technological setup. So then 4chan was built as a one-up to 2chan. Got it. And now there's also 8chan. And 8chan is, it's a hot mess. The only thing that's not allowed is like child pornography and other illegal things like that. But that is literally the only illegal thing on 8chan. It is a crazy website. Do not go there. Do not go there. But either way, so it's kind of interesting to watch two, four, and then eight. Fun little tangent to include for our listeners. So aside from being active on 4chan and speaking with people there, Bianca also what you call like owned or started a server on Discord. So basically, Discord is definitely less anonymous. You're going to be more of yourself and have more of like a group setting. You have group chats and like message board kind of situation where you're literally talking to people with like interests for like whatever that server is. So if you start a server for true crime podcasts, there probably is one on Discord and you can meet and chat with people there. You can chat with them in like a more open chat room, group chat room setup, or you can also just DM each other if you want to interact that way. So really her online persona runs the gamut of all social media really that's available if you think about it. She tended to use the name OxyChan on 4chan and on Discord, she used Bia. Her Instagram is a little bit difficult to figure out what it's supposed to say. It's E-S-C-T-Y. Some people are probably like, oh my God, it's blah, blah, blah. But I don't (laughs) know what that is. And then she also has B-G-T-F-O. So B-E-E. GTFO. If you want to look at some of her beautiful pictures, she did get a little artistic and she was a beautiful girl. So if you want to check them out, they're still active in her memory. So now that we know that she's super active on all of these sites, did she ever meet anyone in person? Like, what were her relationships like on these websites? Well, that leads us actually right into May of 2019. Because this is when Bianca tells her mom, you know, hey, look, I'm going to meet up with this person. It's a new friend that I met and they live kind of nearby. Mm -hmm. So we want to meet up in person. We've been talking for a while. Now, naturally, her mom was a little bit more reserved with this idea and was like, okay, well, you know what, Bianca? Like, I know this is a positive space for you and that these people have been in your life for a while now online. If you want to meet this person in real life, have them come over. Let me meet them. All right. So the mom's playing it safe, but still being open and 
trying to respect her daughter's wishes. I like that. Yeah, you know, I really like it too because it was such a positive space in Bianca's life for the most part, Mm -hmm. this like online world. Um, And these people, for that reason, were really important to her. I think her mom really recognized that. So kudos to her mom for working with her daughter on a really great compromise. You know what? In the beginning, everything was pretty much normal and fine. The mom didn't really have any worries. Bianca and this friend, um, they had met on Instagram and then they transitioned more to speaking on Discord. Mm -hmm. It seems like Bianca would have people that she would meet kind of like on Instagram or that would start following her and she would chat with them, right? And so then she would say, hey, you're cool. Check out my Discord server. Right. So it's like a more tight knit community. And that seems to be what happened here. So now they're talking on Discord. This guy's name was Brandon and he lived in Bridgeport, New York, which was about an hour and a half or so away from Utica, where Bianca lived, which it's about a hundred miles or so away. During the first meeting, he picks up Bianca. He meets her mom before they go anywhere, of course. And they head to a park to hang out and they just, chat casually. One of the resources mentions that they were like on the swings, just kind of being teenagers, you know, like what you're going to do with a new guy that, you know, you're starting to chat with or a new friend. Just let's go to a park and hang out. We can't do anything else. Right. Exactly. There's not much to do at that age anyway. After this initial meeting, Brandon and Bianca continue to maintain their friendship. And they also continue to hang out in person. Some media outlets refer to him as a boyfriend. This is more so, honestly, to sensationalize the case. Mm -hmm. Really, we don't know the full extent of anything that happened in their relationship. We don't know if it ever got romantic or where it stood, where it went, where it went back to. We have nothing but a timeline of really that they met in May for now. But I guess it would be safe to surmise that they had somewhat of a close relationship because if they live an hour and a half away from each other and they're making, at least one of them is making that drive, it says a lot about them and their priorities to spend time with one another. You bring up a great point. And let's kind of all hold that thought in the back of our minds here because it definitely shows that Brandon was really, you know, making that effort to go Mm -hmm. see her, right? I mean, he's driving an hour and a half. Yeah, She may have done that drive herself as well, but mostly it seems like, especially in that first meeting and whatnot, he drove to her. So he was very motivated to get to know her in person and continue that relationship that way. But you know what? It's really not much of our business anyways, what happened romantically or not in this relationship. Her mom mentions that Bianca told her, you know what? Like I'm preparing for college in the fall and I just want to have fun for now. She really was preparing and looking to set her sights on that psych degree and her future, as opposed to creating any type of like romantic relationship that was going to kind of, you know, be a distraction, an extra weight or a distraction. I like that word better. Yeah. So with her mom mentioning that, it makes me wonder, and one of the resources mentions this lightly, then maybe they were having a conversation of like, hey, you're spending a lot of time with Brandon. Like, what's going on with that? Right? So they were spending this time together and being a bit involved in whatever the relationship was. It was taking a lot of her time. It also shows the level of relationship that mother and daughter had because they were able to talk about these things. 
Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust? Or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Plus, you'll be able to connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built from marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash murder diaries, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash murder diaries to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash murder diaries. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They really were open in communication about a lot of things, at least when it revolved around this relationship and the online persona. Mm -hmm. There didn't seem to be a lot of shockers for the mom. On July 13th, so we're about two months down the road here, Brandon and Bianca planned to attend a Nicole Dollinganger concert at an all-ages club in Ridgewood. And that's a neighborhood in Queens, New York, which... I mean, Queens as in the New York City borough, Queens, which is, it's like four hours from Utica. Oh my God. Do you remember all ages clubs? Like the grossest places ever. So gross. Yeah. So many predators. <laughs> Please put that aside. You know, one of the things that Bianca really loved was art and music. So this is just a little bit of my observation, mm -hmm. but also a resource pointed this out too, is that the two looked so much alike. Nicole, Dollinganger, and Bianca. They looked quite a bit alike, um, especially stylistically. It really seemed like Bianca drove a lot of inspiration stylistically from this artist. She was her muse of sorts. Yeah, she was almost a bit of a muse. What takes me a little bit aback when I agree to that is that while this artist has like really beautiful music, mm -hmm. Something that's kind of hard to take when we talk about Bianca taking inspiration from this artist mm -hmm. is that like, while she had really beautiful music and I did listen to a couple songs today, her music came with a really dark twist. Like some of the themes are sexual in nature, like BDSM. Uh, some themes involve self-harm. And this artist also has a history of anorexia. Okay. So it's kind of hard to stomach a teenage girl really being able to understand and process all of this, especially mm -hmm. one that 
herself was, you know, admitted to um, a clinic for some time to, you know, take care of herself. This artist actually also had a history of anorexia. She started her career on Tumblr and wrote her first records while she was on bed rest due to her ED anorexia. All right. Now that we know a little bit about Nicole Dollenganger, can you take us back to this concert Brandon and Bianca are attending? Yeah. So I feel like back in my teenage days, we probably would have called it like a show. Yes. This venue's apparently, yeah, this venue's apparently a little bit smaller, but it was again an all ages club. And Bianca actually planned on meeting a new friend there. I'm unsure if Brandon was aware, Mm -hmm. but all signs point to no. And we should also kind of preface that Brandon would have driven an hour and a half to go get her. Mm -hmm. Reports are conflicting if he drove her to the concert, but most signs point to yes. So he drives an hour and a half to get her, most likely, and then they drove four hours to Queens. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of time invested here. Uh, but with that being said, you know, it this makes it really clear that Bianca's family really did trust Brandon and that Bianca was really open and honest with them. Like, hey, here's that friend I met two months ago. We're going to a concert. It's going to be four hours away in Queens. I'm 17. I just graduated. I'm not going to be 18 till October. Like, this is a young girl getting in a newer person in their lives car and driving four hours away to one of the biggest cities in the US. It's intense. But I also want to point out, especially for our younger listeners, that just because someone invests that amount of time into a friendship for you, you don't owe them anything. So even though Brandon is doing all of this for Bianca, she doesn't owe him anything. No, she owes him nothing. Nothing. Maybe some gas money. Yeah. Like, here you go, dude. I I mean, um, physically or emotionally. Like, yep, the car ride is where it ends. Right. That's me being a little bit flippant about that. All you get credit for is the car ride and your repayment is only monetary if that's what you require, dude. But by the way, let's be chivalrous. She's a 17-year-old girl and you're 22. Right. He was 22. And you're doing this because you're a friend and you shouldn't be expecting anything. That's really what I was trying to put out there. So let's go back to this friend. We're going to call this friend A. According to some reports, Bianca may not have told Brandon about meeting up with A. We sort of touched on that. However, it's also been reported that this is more than likely more of a romantically involved meetup. Okay. So it was purposeful in the fact that they may have been interested in each other and seeing where things went if they met in person. At some point, before they left the concert, Bianca and A kissed. And Brandon was not happy about this. This is more than likely because he had a thing for her, right? We talked about all this time invested and that it kind of it's shows... It's pretty obvious. It's a little bit obvious. Now, listen, he could say he didn't and that'll be his truth. But it just seems a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Apparently. He found out about this kiss or kisses, we'll get to that in a moment, on the drive back to Utica from Queens. So this is a tough situation for a 17-year-old to be in. She's got a 22-year-old adult male Mm -hmm. driving next to her four hours angry about a kiss. Like this is really a complex situation for her to deal with. 
he may or may not have really been around when the kiss happened. There's a lot of things from that night that are a little bit funky, but we do know he found out on the drive home. Right. So we don't know if he specifically saw it happen, but he did find out that it did happen. And that a conversation happened in the car home. Yes. Got it. So how do we know this? We know this because she was messaging a friend during the drive home. And it appears she was also messaging them a little bit earlier around the one o'clock hour, a little bit after that, around like one twenty three, are some of the screenshots I've seen from their conversation. So they're messaging on what I think is Discord and it's as follows. Natalie, if you would like to read the following transcript, you can be Bianca and I'll be Ecat. Sure. So this is Bianca's first line. No, he's perfect. I'm in love. Bianca there is talking about A, Ecat. Is he still being shy or talkative? Shy right now, but he smiled, smoked, ha, 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 ha. We held hands. My friend is pissed. He saw his kiss. I kissed him twice. Again, she's talking about A there. These messages ended around 5.47 a.m. Sunday, July 14th. So basically... To summarize, Bianca's telling her friend Ecat that Brandon is pissed because she kissed A and that she really likes A. Mm -hmm. They seem to all know each other from or at least on the Discord server. So in my experience with the Discord server, it's really common that maybe someone you know in person, you're going to invite them to that Discord server and then they're going to kind of know your online friends. And then those two know each other in real life, right? Like just like any other normal random friend group. Yeah, a friend group, and it just kind of comes together. So we don't know all the intricacies of the relationship, but they definitely all kind of knew of each other, about each other, that kind of thing. Interesting that she refers to Brandon as... My friend. My friend to ECAT. So kind of up in the air how well or not ECAT is aware of Brandon. They might even be in the same Discord server and just not talk to each other. So... Mm-hmm. That's where we're at with that conversation in the car. Again, it ends at about 5.47 on Sunday, July 14th in the AM. During this drive home, Brandon posts a story on Instagram. It's a picture of the lit up kind of freeway while driving. And he adds the text, here comes hell. It's redemption, right? Around 6.40 a.m., Brandon began posting pictures and other items that show and document Bianca's murder. He writes in one of these forums, sorry, Evers, you'll have to find someone else to orbit. It's believed that this was on the Discord server that Bianca owned, which would make sense in using the word orbit, right? right? So like, you need somebody else to obsess about is basically what he's saying if you're not familiar with like the slang terminology of using orbit. According to the police report, around 7.20 a.m., police received multiple calls that Brandon was posting on social media about killing Bianca and was threatening to kill or hurt himself. I'm not going to be linking any of the photos in the show notes, but many of them do still circulate on the internet. And let me tell you, I wish that I hadn't seen any of them, really. Yeah. Um, One of them that I've seen, unfortunately, is really graphic and without 
over describing just in order to give the right homage to her story and context. In this picture, it is Bianca post-mortem with her neck slit. She's slouched down in the car, black tank top, and unfortunately just very bloody. And it is something I wish I've never seen. So please just don't search these. Get your self-controlling gear and take my light description for what you can. You do not want to see this close-up of a picture of a murdered body. And I wish I never saw it. Well, and remember who's taking the photo. It's the murderer taking the photo and he's attempting to be gruesome and graphic and Mm -hmm. get some sort of negative reaction. And that's what he does. He accomplishes that in these photos. Right. And an appropriate news article will post the ones that aren't graphics of like the Instagram story and things like that that you can see that aren't the graphic ones. Something that I want listeners to be aware of is that the family is most likely chasing these pictures down to get them removed. And this kind of gut feeling I had is reinforced by something that I mentioned at the end of this story Mm -hmm. that has kind of come out in Bianca's honor. So practice that self-control. Don't look at the pictures. So police are getting all these phone calls, right? Hey, this guy's posting weird pictures of my friend. It looks like he murdered her. And now he's saying he's going to hurt himself. Clearly, he's a danger to himself and others, essentially, is what they're saying. Exactly. So it didn't take long for police to find him because Brandon himself called 911, all the while incriminating himself Mm -hmm. and all but confessing to her murder. They trace Brandon's 911 phone call and police are dispatched to a street in Utica called Poe Street. Now, Poe Street is a dead end and it dead ends into a wooded area just to paint a picture of where they were. Mm -hmm. This could also have been kind of nerve-wracking because they're going, Poe Street, is he in the woods? Where's this guy? Right. So police luckily didn't need to worry about that, though, because as they arrived, they found Brandon on the ground, laying on a tarp beside a black SUV. As the officer approached, he began stabbing himself in the neck. He then called for backup, and the Utica Fire Department arrived soon after. It should also be noted that Brandon changed his Instagram bio to October 6th, 1997 to July 14th, 2019. Just know that I feel no pain now. So he's basically stating that he died on July 14th, 2019 by suicide before he would have died by suicide. There's a lot of evidence here that this was an attempted murder-suicide when we look at this. And I guess I should also just issue a quick correction that he was 21 at the time going on 22. I know I mentioned he was 22 earlier, but what's a year anyways, right? Remember the tarp that I mentioned just a moment ago that Brandon was laying on? As they're at the scene and investigating the scene and figuring everything out, they noticed that there was like hair poking out from underneath the tarp. And this is unfortunately where they found Bianca's body. Something really disturbing about the scene as well, once, you know, investigators were able to see the pictures and the pictures were out there and people knew that Bianca was found underneath this tarp, he apparently was taking selfies like as he was on that tarp and trying to stab himself with the police there. So the police is there, he's stabbing himself, he's taking pictures, and he's laying atop her body the whole time. It's absolutely disturbing. 
it's disgusting that he would feel the need to do that. Yeah, it's just really bizarre the attention that he wanted from this murder for somebody who had never murdered before. It's clear that he sees himself as a victim rather than the suspect, the offender. I really appreciate you presenting that perspective and I think you're absolutely right. It really does seem like he feels like he's the victim of some kind of wrongdoing or was like scorned, which as we already spoke about, is not reason enough to murder somebody. Back to the scene, they found nearby the tarp and where Brandon was a knife, a butcher knife, which is known to be the murder weapon at this time. I'm not sure if it was the same knife that he chose to use on himself, but it's identified as what he used on Bianca. It almost sounds premeditated to me. He has a tarp. He has a butcher knife. Those aren't things that someone carries in their car for a show. I'm sorry. I'm just going to throw that out there. The knife being there definitely makes it feel premeditated to me as well. As you mentioned, who just has a butcher knife sitting in their car? What random butcher knife would you just have in your car? It doesn't make sense. Are you a hunter? I don't even think hunters have that in their car, or at least all the time. But it's but just use them. It's used in the kitchen. Yeah. I just can't. And I get really heated because he did survive and was charged with second degree murder, which, as many of us know, means that they are discounting the idea of premeditation. The DA office offered him a plea deal. They say, look, we will go for 25 years to life if you plead guilty to second degree murder. Just plead guilty, dude. Let's let's wrap this up. He says, no. And he pleaded not guilty on July 29th, 2019. Why? I don't know. And we could spend a whole episode discussing just this. And we could also spend a whole other episode on why it should have been first degree and talk about butcher knives and cars and why they'd be there, etc. A few months later, however, things change. On February 10th, 2020, Brandon changed his plea to guilty. A few months later, he gets a new lawyer. On June 2nd, 2020, he and this new lawyer file a notice to withdraw his guilty plea. They claim that his previous lawyer had failed him or kind of coerced him into changing his plea from not guilty to guilty. And now, you know what? He wants to go back to not guilty. Well, guess what? The judge denied it. Good, as he should. It seems like the right move when you're really looking into this case. So I'm pretty happy about that too. And his hearing took place September 30th, 2020. Around this time, Bianca's mom also released the following statement. On July 14th, 2019, our lives were changed forever when our angel Bianca was cruelly taken from us. We are relieved to hear that Judge Dwyer has denied her murderer's motion to withdraw his guilty plea. Our family has prepared victim impact statements to be read in court as her murderer is sentenced to 25 years to life. We want everyone to know what a beautiful and talented young girl she was that he took from us. We will represent Bianca in the future to ensure her murderer is never released from prison. 
Bianca's family and I will continue to honor her life through Bianca Michelle Devins Memorial Scholarship with the Community Foundation of Herkimer, Oneida Counties. Bianca's dream and spirit will live on through students who are looking for careers in psychology to help adolescents with mental health issues. Our family will continue our fight for accountability of social media companies to prevent the posting of content such as Bianca's death photos. We are in full support of Bianca's law being put before Congress by Congressman Anthony Brindisi. This will be another large step in holding social media companies responsible for the content they allow on their platforms. We are so grateful to the community of Central New York for their love and support. A special thank you to all of Bianca's friends worldwide. Bees Army, you have helped us through this terrible journey through the love you have given us. On September 21st, 2020, circling back to all those beautiful things that Bianca's mom included in her statement, New York Representative Brindisi and the Devons family introduced Bianca's Law. The proposed legislation would require all social media platforms with more than $10 million in revenue and over 100,000 monthly users to establish an office that is dedicated to identifying and removing violent content that violates the platform's moderation standards. So basically, okay, great, you set these guidelines, but what do you have in place for when they're broken? Right. Because are you really stopping the ability to do that? No, you're not stopping the ability to post a picture. How are you going to know whether that picture violates your guidelines or not really? if it's not reported. And how are you going to enforce it? Yeah, and how is it being enforced? Absolutely. Also in response to Bianca's murder, local representatives Marianne Butenshun and Joseph Griffo also introduced a law which would create criminal and civil penalties for spreading an image of a crime victim with the intent of glorification or harassment or anything like that. So that kind of goes back to what I was mentioning earlier in the episode as to why we just really don't want to participate in these photos being circulated and why even if you have seen it, you may never see it again because they're trying to get them off and it has like ruined their lives, which is why they're trying to get laws like this out there. So Kim Devins, Bianca's mom, also started a scholarship in Bianca's name for students pursuing psychology degrees, as she also mentioned in her statement. The funds for the scholarship, at least partly, come from a gala that she holds called the B Gala. The first one was held in 2020 pre-COVID, and I hope it returns post. And finally, on March 16th, 2021, Brandon was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. This is where we're going to leave this episode. As always, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries pod on Instagram, at the Murder Diaries pod at gmail.com, and the Murder Diaries podcast.com, where our merch is currently live. Go get your merch. All right, you know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. It sure does. And until then, better safe than dead. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.